LDS, the podcast. This is the episode where Wendy gives her awesome dragonfly metaphor. And we started talking about it at the end of the last episode, so let's pick up where she was talking about it, and then we're just going to go right into it. Let's just hear it, because it's awesome. Did I mention that it's awesome? It's here, and it's awesome. Dragonflies. You want to be a dragonfly, don't you? When I heard the story about the dragonfly, it, it helped me, helped to give me permission to understand my own growth. And that's when you are in nature, like you were talking about earlier, nature teaches us. And um, when I heard the story about the dragonfly, I realized that being a dragon nymph was a little bit different than being a dragonfly Mm. and that you are incubated in a world in the water and you think that's all there is. And then there comes a moment in your life where you realize you're so much more so much more and it's you have permission to explore and to expand and you can either take that opportunity or you can shake your fist at the water and say look what you've done to me not seeing who you really are yeah so taking that taking that power back yep yeah recognizing you have wings and realizing that you are not only in a you were not only an aquatic creature but you are also a land creature and an aerial creature that you get to play with all the elements and you get to be the one that's in charge of your life. If you look at a dragonfly, they're pivoting and hovering and they're doing whatever they want, exploring in whatever way that they want to. And they're just living in a space of curiosity. And that's how I want to uh, live my life is just, I want to live in the big question in the mystery of it all. all. I have a story to share with you. I was reading the book, The Gene Keys by Richard Rudd. And one of my specific keys that I'm working on in this lifetime is gene key number 55. And in this gene key, if you ever look up the book, you'll find a story of a dragonfly, the emergence of a dragonfly. And for some reason, when I read this story, it was only maybe a paragraph, (laughs) my mind took off because it resonated so much with the experience I had in transitioning out of the church and giving myself permission to go outside the boundaries of what I was taught and to be able to heal my mind and my heart as all the things that I once thought were true were being torn away. And everything that was stable in my life was now shaking. And I wasn't sure where I was going to land. And this is when I made my connection with the dragonfly. And so I want to share this story with you. The female dragonfly leans down into the water. She's actually being held by the male dragonfly and she leans into the water and she deposits a smudge of eggs into the river the swamp any nearby water 
And in this little smidgen, there is about a hundred eggs, but only a few of those eggs will ever hatch and they will hatch into a world where they have no parents. For their parents flew on and they lived their life and they are gone. But the life of these little dragon nymphs is now in the water. And now it has its turn to experience life. So when you're a little dragon nymph, you're swimming in some pretty swampy water, dirty water. You don't need special eye gear, so your eyes are pretty simple. And you have you're just really an ordinary brown looking beetle bug and they call them a nymph. And most of their life, they will be in this stage, this nymph stage. And there's kind of a, a rule that I imagine is among the dragonflies, the nymph dragonflies. And that is never go above the surface of the water. For if you do, you will never return. You will be lost to us forever. And so I imagine little dragonflies, little nymphs down in the murky water, know the rules. They understand that they should never go above the surface of the water. And so they begin living their wonderful life of a nymph bug, a little brown bug in each couple of weeks. They're actually going to shed their skin. They molt about five to 14 times these little bugs, not really knowing what's going to be impending in their future, their last final molt will be stupendous. So they're in this water, murky water. It, they can be there from anywhere from two months to six years, depending on what species of dragonfly we're talking about. But these little dragonflies, they kind of stick together. Everything that's smaller than them is food. Little other larvae, plankton, they're aquatic creatures, and so they swim and dart and glide in the water, and they're happy. They don't know any better, but they do know the rules. Don't go above the surface of the water. So these five to 14 molts that these dragonflies go through, give them a little bit of experience. They're used to shedding. But there comes a time, the final shed, where they weren't likely expecting what would happen. After about 10 to 14 molts, a dragonfly's body, its final body, has become three times bigger than its exoskeleton. So I imagine this dragonfly, this little dragon nymph, is feeling a little bit under pressure, really uncomfortable. And when that starts to happen, in order to maybe ease the anxiety or the pressure or the pain that they're in, consider that maybe I should go above the surface of the water. And it's very interesting that in the nighttime, these dragonflies who have reached this stage of their development they toggle in between sips of oxygen and sips of water. And sips of oxygen and sips of water. They do this intuitively. 
not knowing really what's about to happen to them. They just really start loving the oxygen. And they do this at night for they are hiding. They need to hide because they are very vulnerable to other predators. And so they do this at night, maybe, in my experience, <laughs> it reminds me of you know, studying things that I was afraid to study, that I was told I shouldn't study, and I did it privately. I was afraid of being caught. I was afraid of maybe disappointing my parents if I found out something wasn't true that I thought was true. And all through my life, I had little moments where I thought, hmm, that doesn't feel right. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't rest with my soul. And perhaps that's like those little moments where you're molting. Just a little piece, a question. And for some of us, we call that putting it on our proverbial shelf. And maybe later on in our life, something else doesn't resonate and we are maybe molting again. And we have an idea and a thought that doesn't quite resonate and we put it on our proverbial shelf. This is really preparing us for our debut. While we're in the water, in the murky water, as a dragon nymph, I imagined myself really having a controlled environment. In my experience, I had scriptures. I had authority figures. I had a routine that was unquestionable, unchallengeable. And I used these scriptures and authorities and the environment and the culture in which I was raised to tell me about the world. And I learned the same coping mechanisms that they used. And I studied from the same books. And in the books that I was given, I was told it was the only way. And I felt inside that if I just do all the good things that are required of me, that someday I would feel free. And perhaps that dragonfly, when it's sipping oxygen and water and oxygen, and water is wondering, what if I just sipped oxygen? For the dragonfly, there comes a time when they do choose. They know that this is the path that way they should take. And so intuitively, they climb up a, a reed one day in the light of the sun. And that was me. One day I said to myself, this is not where I'm supposed to be. And that day I remember I took off my garments, the garments that I was taught that were going to protect me from evil. And I no longer needed these garments and I shed them. And I committed to not wear them again. It just felt right. And so, as the dragonfly comes up to the reed, and it stays there for the while, in front of this sun, where all the predators may come and 
he takes a risk, a big risk, of leaving behind a world he will never see again. I remember when I was asking the questions and I realized that this is not the path for me. And I shed my garments and I looked at my naked self in the mirror for the first time. I started to wonder who I really was. So with the dragonfly, imagine it's got to be so uncomfortable when their dragonfly body is is three times the size of their of their exoskeleton nymph body. And as they sit in the sun, there's some syn- synergistic event that happens that kind of causes them to open up. And at the top of the head, the first thing that comes through is these magnificent eyes. Now these eyes have 30,000 lenses in them, 30,000. They're far more complex than the eyes that the dragonfly um, used while it was in the water. If there's nothing impeding their vision, they can see over 40 miles away. Dragonflies are magnificent. We have found in our earth dragonfly fossils that measure over 300 million years old. And so with these little creatures, are amazing and they're resilient. So there's something interesting about this process of, you know, that we were sipping oxygen, sipping water and oxygen and water. And now this dragonfly begins to breathe. For the first time, it begins to breathe air. The air that he knew tastes delicious, but when he gave himself complete permission to come out into the sun, he just wanted more. And inside a dragonfly's body, they have this built-in hydraulic system. And so they experience breathing. But in this case, in the very beginning, they're breathing in oxygen and breathing out water saying hello to the oxygen and goodbye to the water. Literally, literally a hydraulic system that's pumping this and bringing this oxygen to this beautiful body. Now, we've got the eyes out and more of the the exoskeleton is breaking apart and we have this hydraulic system pumping in oxygen, pumping in oxygen and pressing out the water. And then suddenly, Like I imagine unrolling a sleeping bag if you were out camping. (laughs) You unroll this, this gorgeous thorax. This is part of the body that the dragonfly maybe never imagined that it even owned. It did not know itself. And so this hydraulic system pumps the oxygen in and presses the water out. And another grand surprise. On the back of this particular dragonfly might look like something a little first grader would be wearing on its back to school, a little backpack, if you will. 
And as the oxygen pumps in, almost like blowing up a, a child's toy that they're going to be floating around in the pool. As it, it pumps up this little backpack on the back of the wing, of their back, out come these gorgeous, glorious, elegant wings. Four of them. Did you know that the wing of a dragonfly is its own thing? There's nothing else ever been created like one specific wing of a dragonfly, just like your thumbprint. It's so unique, so individual. Another interesting thing about the wings of a dragonfly is unlike a butterfly that's, whose wings fly tandem, a dragonfly's wings fly independently of each other. And this is what allows them to dart and to hover and to pivot really fast and survive evidently over their 300 million years. So let's go back to this phase. The dragonfly is not sure what the future holds. It just knows intuitively that it craves an oxygen. For me, there was a time when my faith was the most important thing that I owned. And the time that I started to transition, I, I kind of shifted a little bit in that the truth became more important to me than my faith. And in this place, I allowed the truth to poke holes in my beliefs and to challenge my beliefs. Even though I wasn't sure what the future holds, I just knew I craved the truth. And the more truth that I sought, the more confusing and the more certain I became that this culture, this theology that I grew up in, was really not for me. Now imagine that dragonfly, if it's in the middle of its experience and it's already unfolded its thorax and, you know, he looks back into the water and says, you know, I don't want to do this. I'm afraid I have a lot to lose. I don't know that I want to do this. He can't go back now. I felt a lot like that. I knew once I took those garments off that I, I couldn't go back, not because I wouldn't be welcome, not because I wouldn't be allowed. I knew I couldn't go back because I knew that's not where I belonged anymore. And I remember feeling so vulnerable, like maybe that dragon nymph that hasn't quite emerged into a dragonfly feels in the light of day on the reed, so vulnerable so destabilized, so, so ungrounded and uncertain and literally afraid. Now as the dragonfly's body begins to break open from its head, imagine when we start to awaken and we start to see things with new eyes with all these new lenses and we start to value the paradigms of others and the beliefs of others and to see that we were all just really attached to our beliefs this begins to 
cause us to open up into this consciousness, this expansion that we never expected. We certainly couldn't see it from the water. And this expansion begins to affect every aspect of our life, starting with the new way that you think. Now you get to choose your thoughts, but the thoughts that have been drilled into your head are so loud and so strong. I imagine when the hydraulic system is pumping in the oxygen and pumping out the water. To me, this reminds me of the emotional stage that I experienced when I was going through my transition. And that water does represent emotions, symbolic of our emotions. At this moment, I was pumping out all my conditioning, trying to pump out all the programming. I was trying to breathe in of remembrance of who I am. And again, all of this started with my desire, my insatiable desire for the truth. I like to refer to the thorax, <laughs> that part of the body that is so strong and leads and guides the rest of the body. This reminds me a lot about recalibrating my intuition. You see, when I was in the church, I had spiritual experiences. I felt times when I was connected. And for 45 years of my life, I thought I was doing the right thing in the right place. And there's something that happens, that transition between you know, believing into challenging into not believing anymore. And that is your intuition takes a big hit. And for me, I started to really doubt myself and doubt those intuitive hits. And what is really ironic and actually a little bit cruel is that your intuition is at its highest when you're willing to challenge your beliefs. You're willing to lose everything in order to know what is true. And your intuition is working synergistically with the things that you know and the things that you feel. But once you decide to leave, it, you think, maybe I don't really have that connection because how could I believe so long? How come I didn't know that this wasn't the right place for me? And so it takes a big hit. And basically what happens is we're, we're required to recalibrate our intuition and to kind of sync it up with something and someone that maybe we feel we've never met before. And perhaps we have. And so this recalibration takes time. And things that have helped me during this time is to see beauty, to see nature, to see the giggle of my grandchild, to see the the labor of my girls as they grow up, my son as he tries to provide. And I see the beauty in them and it ignites something pure in my soul. I think it's that place where, where we, there's a knowing, a knowing who we are, knowing what we want and remembering 
of why we came. Maybe this doesn't come for a while. But as we strengthen that intuition and we lean in, we are going to find the things that we're looking for. Now, I like to imagine the wings as, you know, this special webbing that's elegant, unique. It's like this material that is specifically for you. It's very individual and it's going to give you the agility and the resiliency that you need for your journey. When these, when the dragonfly finally leaves its body, this process is called exuvia. And sometimes in some documentaries that I have watched about dragonflies, some of them have a really hard time letting go of their the corpse. And so it sticks to their to the bottom of their feet. And it's almost as if they have a longing to go back. A longing to uh, return to what was comfortable. What was familiar. What was constant. There's a weird feeling that happens when you leave a belief system. And that is you have to get used to having no ground underneath your feet because you were meant to fly. It feels for a while that you're falling, but as you strengthen your intuition and you lean into that remembering, you start to operate in a new way and you experience exuvia. And there's something about this moment where you just want to bring others along. Look, see, we're dragonflies. We are dragonflies. We're meant to fly. All my life, I thought that I was this little brown dragon nymph. And I thought I was, I was a aquatic creature. But look, I have wings. And I'm in this whole new world. And it's beautiful. And not only am I a land creature, I'm an aerial creature as well. I get to be all of it. I get to experience all of it. And you just want to bring others. You want to shout it from the rooftops, if you will. But you look down into the water and you see the bug life happening as it always happens. And you aren't able to go down into the water and to pull anybody out. So it seems like you're behind a glass door and you're celebrating and all the other people on your side are looking at you and they're so sad and it's so confusing. And so I imagine dragonflies might really want to dip in and get a friend and bring them along. But the truth is if they were to pull them out of the water, they would die. They couldn't last. They couldn't survive because their lungs aren't ready or their thorax isn't ready. Their hydraulic system isn't ready. Maybe they're two molts away from the final debut. And so to take them out of the water, it wouldn't help them at all. It would actually kill them. And so we have to reconcile this urgency to bring others along with us. And that can be a hard thing to do. 
But one of the things that helps us to move along and to kind of ease that conflict in their heart is to redirect your energy and to focus on your wings. Many times we stay too long in the trauma and we are very vulnerable to be eaten by prey. And what I mean by this is like we listen to podcast after podcast of how the church has wronged people and wronged others like me in ways they did to me. And you know, little fiascos here and there, some dramatic fireside or some unfair that thing that they're doing today and it's all happening it's all real but in this place as you listen to it over and over and over again you either stay attached to your body or you learn how to fly there comes a time when your hunger has to change change from eating plankton seaweed and little things in the ocean to eating something new like mosquitoes birds eggs other things that fly through the air but sometimes we miss our old world the one that was so familiar it's time now to learn more about yourself than your past When will your bright, brilliant, vibrant future become more important than making the church wrong? When will the things that you want to do be more important than the church understanding you or apologizing for what they've done to you? You have wings. You have wings. You have been set free. The last thing we want to do is to chain ourselves to our old body, not able to fully get off the ground. Just continue to bring the oxygen in and pump the water out. There's a time when the dragonfly goes for its maiden flight. Imagine its wings a little bit uncomfortable, but intuitively it, it catches on. And it learns that it can hover and dart, pivot and glide, and gain speed like it's never experienced before. Imagine having little nymph legs and then suddenly having these wings. It's interesting to me. I imagine the activities that a dragon nymph does in the water only prepares it for what its true destiny is. Unfortunately, for me, I would became more focused on the trauma that I experienced, more bitter about what had happened to me in the church, more confused about how I could have believed this for so long and been so wrong that I got stuck in cycles of victimhood. I wasn't impressed with my wings. I was more focused on the trauma. When I think about the dragonfly having a whole new appetite, a whole new buffet of food, mosquitoes and bugs and tiny bird eggs and 
They definitely have changed their diet since getting out of the water. And to me, this represents being able to research and study whatever I want and to not feel like I needed to keep all of my research and studying and curiosity within the periphery of the, the doctrines that I had been taught. I started exploring podcasts and going to workshops and learning more about me. There comes a stage after the fear and after the commitment to leave where we forget to learn about us. Who are we without the layers of indoctrination? What does it feel like to breathe our own air? What does it feel like to be you? Who are you? What do you want? What lights you up? What have you learned? Dragonflies are one of the most adaptable creatures on our planet. They are able to adapt to any environment and they know what their duties are because they don't very really live that long. They know that they need to be able to populate and repopulate and just intuitively and innately that you feel like that is their, their job. But they're very adaptable. And I imagine in our experience in leaving the church, we have so many things that we are ready to learn about ourselves and about the world. They might include, you know, adult beverages or or maybe you find that you're going to lose your marriage and maybe you realize that you've been putting up with a lot of toxic relationships and maybe you're going to realize that you never gave yourself permission to be the the authority in the direction that you were going in your life. There's so many transitions going on in this at this stage of the journey. We will probably learn new things that will affect our relationships, our own personal integrity and relationship with ourselves. And for me, I learned that going inward was where I found who I really was and where I belonged. And the place that I wanted to belong most now that I understand it is to myself. Because it seems like I belonged to my parents and I belonged to my husband and I belonged to the church. But I never really understood what it felt like to belong to myself. And that was definitely a journey for me. I also learned not to become so attached to my beliefs, that any belief that I had that was unchallengeable, I may be too attached to it. And so I allowed information to flow in and out and through my body and through my wings, <laughs> rather than be protective or uh, build my beliefs and build a, a structure to protect my beliefs. Another thing that I, I love to talk about with the dragonfly is its resilience. Again, it's lived over 300 million years. That is remarkable. So I liken this resilience to my experience with leaving the church. There are certain things that I learned by being in the church and leaving the church that I truly don't believe I could have learned any other way. And so when I look back at my experience being raised as a Mormon girl my whole life for seven generations, I think of all the fun times. I think of the times that I was 
given opportunities to grow. And I remember the friends. And I remember being able to serve and to love and to sing and to play and to do all the things that we do in that culture. It's a beautiful, beautiful culture. But we really can never return back to it in the same way again because we were different. We've grown out of that. We have a new body. And there's part of us that they will never understand. All they know is that you should never go above the surface of the water. For if you do, you will never return. So to the point of resilience, I wanted to share something means a lot to me that I learned about my experience coming out to the church. Can I scratch that? So back to the resilience of the dragonfly. I thought to myself, how have I become resilient in my life because of my experience in the church? And here's what I came up with. It wasn't until I was deceived by the source I was conditioned to trust the most that I learned to trust the voice within. It wasn't until I lost my superficial community of church friends that I began seeking real, lasting, authentic relationships. It wasn't until I lost the identity that had been given to me through indoctrination that I discovered who I really am. It wasn't until I lost relevance with my family and friends, my children and parents for leaving that I stopped trying to please them all and stopped betraying myself. It wasn't until I lost membership in the church that claims to be the one and only true church that I found deeper association with God and all of humanity. Evidently, I needed to be told what to think and believe in order to appreciate the privilege and the freedom of thinking for myself. The alchemy is transforming your pain and your suffering into a story of resilience and power. I understand at times that the grief can be unbearable. I realize at the time of transition that The earth feels like it's crumbling beneath you. And I know it's scary and sometimes you doubt you're making the right choice, but after the life quake and the digging through the rubble, you can rebirth yourself into a better version of you, the you you were meant to be. An even better version because the challenges that you've gone through, those challenges challenges have made you into somebody Maybe you never imagined you would become. Those challenges have made you into someone you would never have become without them. No one can convince me that I have been a victim of indoctrination or that I've been a victim of being in a cult. One time when I was up the river, It was just full of dragonflies, the big, thick, juicy red ones. And they just seemed to be as curious about me as I was about them. And one dragonfly would 
dart across our view and just go up maybe, you know, 10 feet past and it would come back and it would circle around. It would come back and circle around. And I was sitting on a rock and had my feet in the creek. And I thought to myself, I really, really want to have a personal encounter with this dragonfly. And so I cut my hands out in front of me and I just closed my eyes and I tried to become invisible with the forest in my mind and to invite the dragonfly to come, you know, making the little landing pad of my hands. (laughs) And I had seen him come by back and forth. And as I closed my eyes, I knew that if I opened them, that dragonfly would be right there. And I just kept hoping and being patient and making myself invisible and friendly to the dragonfly. And I opened my eyes and it, it wasn't there. And I thought, I know I'm going to have an encounter with this dragonfly. And I know this dragonfly wants to experience me too. I know this is going to happen. So I close my eyes and make myself friendly and visible again. And suddenly I felt like this kind of tiny gripping. I knew it was like a bug or bug legs or whatever on my left thigh. And I opened my eyes. I looked down on my left thigh and there it was. It's on my left thigh. It was just climbing up my leg, being all curious and had come to my beckoning. And I wish I would have spoken back to it and said, hello, little dragonfly. I knew you would come. Thanks for visiting me. But I actually got afraid. (laughs) What happened is I screamed and I brushed him off as fast as I could because it caught me off guard. And sometimes that's like things in in our own life where, you know, we expect things to come out and land right in our hands. And the thing that we're asking for might show up somewhere else and might be something we never expected. And in my quest for truth, I really feel like I had my hands out front, like a little landing pad, begging the world to please explain to me, give me some truth, (laughs) answer these deep questions I have in my soul. And... I never would have imagined feeling those those little legs of the dragonfly on my thighs, kind of symbolic of getting some answers from a place I really didn't expect. And from doing a research and a study with eager intent and coming up with answers I just didn't expect. And they scared me and I brushed them away. But eventually I invited them back and I allowed those truths to come in in any way that they chose to come. And so that's my story about being able to accept things the way they show up. I release control and surrender to the flow of love that will heal me. Thank you for listening to the Empowered Former LDS Podcast. Now, if you found today's episode interesting or valuable in any way, please share it with someone that you care about. You can also give us a five-star rating and write a review on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you use. You can find Wendy and Glenn at the Empowered Former LDS group on Facebook, 3.1 thousand members strong, where you can also discuss this episode with others and sign up yourself to share your own story and thoughts about empowerment on this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and remember, 
Wherever you're at, whatever is going on, you got this.